Our scripture reading today is on page 10 of your worship folder. It is Romans 8, 18 through 27. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Sonia, for showing us your heart and your struggle and the way that God has worked and continues to work in you. So thank you. We are in the middle of Advent. We are in the middle of looking at what does it mean for us to walk in the path of Christ, knowing that he has come and made everything complete, everything that needs to be done for our salvation, all of life being brought back to the way it was supposed to be has been completed, yet it is not yet. We are waiting for that to arrive. And last week we talked about peace and how we live in peace knowing that Christ has completed it. And in that peace then we can bring peace to others. Today we are looking at hope and what that means for us. In this passage, it's amazing that we have been given by God two great things to help us walk in this in-between, to walk in this now-not-yet of our hope. The first one is creation itself, and the second one is God's Holy Spirit that reigns within us. And so we'll be digging deep into what that means for us today as we walk in the now and not yet. You know, we're pretty lucky in Australia. I don't know if you know that, but we actually have one of the seven natural wonders of the world. It's the Great Barrier Reef. There are seven, sometimes eight. New Zealand likes to try and fit them in as the eighth one. New Zealand, the whole country, is the eighth great wonder of the world. I've been there. It's beautiful, uh, but I don't know that it's a great wonder of the world. The Aurora Borealis is one. 
The harbor at Rio de Janeiro is one. The Great Barrier Reef is one. Uh, the Mount Everest is one. Now, as I was researching Mount Everest, I don't know that that is a great wonder. There are like 200 and something dead bodies on it. Like if you're walking on a path to get someplace and you pass a lot of dead bodies, maybe turn around. <laughs> Victoria Falls is another one. And then the, the last one is a volcano that is in Mexico uh, that I'm going to dare to pronounce it. Paratutin, something like that. Google didn't help me out much on that. But another one is the Grand Canyon. So I'm lucky that I have lived in two countries that have a wonder of the world. I've not been to the Great Barrier Reef now, but I have been to the Grand Canyon several times. I've experienced the Grand Canyon with my family. I've experienced the Grand Canyon as a boy. I experienced the Grand Canyon with my dad as we pulled up, and there are these uh, bars that keep you from the edge that my dad said, but look, there's that place over there. And he jumped over those bars and ran out to the edge so we could see closer. And of course, being an obedient child, I jumped right over as well. And it was amazing and gorgeous and a scene you're not supposed to see. Just this last summer in the States, winter here, we were back in the States and we passed by just the tip of the Grand Canyon, just a little edge of it. That as you look down and you see the magnificence and the glory, the unbelievable beauty of it. And I think all of us have experienced that in some place in the world. I mean, just a couple of nights ago, the number of photographs on every social media about the sunset that was happening here in WA was just incredible. It was like every other person was posting something about this glorious sunset. And I thought, and I just sat in my house and didn't see it at all. The world in all its glory, the creation is so magnificent. And yet, it is in that place that we also see Paul remind us that the world is actively groaning. That in all the beauty that we see, the world is actively longing and anticipating for something more. And if we're honest, after the sun sets and it's dark outside, or after the bus, which I once was on at the Grand Canyon that had a fog storm come in and it made us, they just didn't know how close to the edge we were, so we stopped, cold, waiting, and you drive away. Yeah, it was beautiful. But then the real world, right, hits. Then the things that are going on in your life begin to creep in. Then those sorrows that you've been dealing with are actively preying at your mind and your heart. And you begin to go, as beautiful as this is, it is a pretty broken down place. And so what does creation teach us about how we hope? How in the in-between, the now and not yet, that we can step into a place of believing and trusting that God has taken care of it, that he is all we need. I think the first thing that we see in this passage is that creation helps us walk in an honest 
truthful assessment of what is going on. If you look there, it says, For creation waits in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own, own choice, but by the will of the one who is subjecting it, so that it will be liberated from its what? decay and brought to freedom. All of creation has been groaning. The honest assessment that creation tells us is that things are not the way they're supposed to be. That even in its great beauty and majesty, that things are not the way God intended it to be. That we live now in a place and a time where things are continually broken and not making it the way that, that we would want to be and see them. It's very clear here in verse 20 where it says, For the creation was subjected to frustration. In that, it's not a frustration of like, oh, I'm not getting my way. The Greek word there actually lets us know that it is a frustration of purposelessness. That it's a frustration of knowing I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Creation knows that when it was made, when God spoke it into existence, that it was meant to be about his glory and about a place for his creation to thrive and flourish within his steadfast love. And so since the fall, since Adam and Eve broke the covenant with God and said, you're not enough for us. The earth has been groaning and waiting and giving us an honest assessment, saying we're not who we're supposed to be. And so as we want to walk in hope, if we want to walk in that place of now and not yet, we must look at our own selves in honest reflection and assessment and say, my life is not what it's supposed to be. That God created me for something more than this. That the struggles and the sins and the hurts and the despair, that they are part of the brokenness of this world. And so, in fact, it tells us that we groan as well, following the example of creation. That we ourselves, as we're going to walk in hope, is we groan. And so we have an honest assessment. The second one, and, and I'm so glad that, that Sonia quoted uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. It's a, I just recommend that book. And, and if you remember a few years ago, we did a, a whole, whole series on laments. Um, not to say I'm great at that, but it's a good series. You can go back and listen to that on our podcast. The second thing that we see the earth, the creation doing is it laments. It grieves. It groans. And we too should groan. After we've taken an honest assessment, we should come to a place where the language that God has given us to deal with the truth of the world around us is to lament, is to cry out as the psalmist did and say, how long will it be this way? That our very spirits 
connected with the Holy Spirit can say, we know there is something else. And so we cry out for that. We cannot move to hope unless we're willing to admit what's broken and willing to cry over it. If we do, it will be a false hope that will be sidetracked by another tragedy that enters our life, to another broken relationship that comes in, to a, a false hope that when we don't reach that, when we don't get the thing that we think will make us all right, we are broken again. But by admitting the brokenness of the world in our own hearts and grieving, it prepares the way for God to bring hope. It's almost like we have to be at our last wit's end, at the end of our rope. To recognize that God always and forever has always been the one that is more than enough for us. The one that will bring our hope and peace and joy and love. And so we see that happen there. So we have an honest assessment of ourselves. We lament and we grieve over those things that are broken in our lives and the lives of those around us. And then we move with expectant waiting. We have to move to a place of expected waiting. If you'll notice when he talks about creation, it says in verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation. That's a standing on the tiptoe sort of waiting. That's a peering over the edge, what's coming waiting. That's a kid if you practice Christmas presents, who sees the first gift go underneath the tree, sort of waiting. That I know something's good is coming. I know something that I desire is there. I can't wait to see it. Can I get just a, a glimpse of it? All of the earth is doing that. All of creation is longing expectantly. What? For those who are in Christ to be revealed of who they are. And so as we walk in this hope that is now and not yet, we must live lives that are expectantly waiting. Here's the little caveat to that. Verse 25, and we wait patiently. What does it mean for us to wait patiently in these times? What does it mean to wait patiently when there is brokenness that just keeps coming into your life? Waiting patiently is not passive. It's not something that you just put your hands down and you sit like a bump on a log and go, God's going to take care of it. But waiting patiently is also not rushing ahead, trying to make sure that it gets done. Uh, saying, God, I know you've got a plan for this, but maybe if I just get a couple of steps along the way, we can get it done a little bit faster. I mean, I know you're all wise and you're the creator of the universe, but I think I've got this figured out. And so maybe I'll just take a shot at it. So it doesn't set passively. It doesn't run ahead. But expectantly waiting with patience. I mean, we actively are pursuing 
the very things of God. And not just the things of God, but God himself. That we say in the midst of all of this, how can I become and get closer to you, Father? How can I walk step by step with you, Father? What does it mean for me to put aside those things that so easily distract so that I can see your face in all your glory and know that you are for me and not against me? It is only in that place, as we are living in that way, are we able to be expectant patiently. Knowing that God has something that is coming. And then the last thing that we see that we need to do as we walk in this now and not yet of our hope is that we live in the truth that is already done and is to come. We live in the truth of who we are. That we are children of God. That those of us who are in Christ have been adopted into sonship or daughtership and we are longing to be saved and we are saved already. And so we can walk patiently in this place because we can live now in the conquering glory that is God's steadfast love for us. We can say that whatever in a, a macro level is going on in the world that can bring us despair or the very thing that has caused chaos in my individual life, that in the midst of that, seeking the Father, trusting the work of Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me, I can engage with it with honesty, truthfully. I can lament over it and I can anticipate the glory that God will show he reveals all and makes everything new as it was always supposed to be. And so we live in the truth. Uh, and that's the beauty of verse 26 for us. Because if I were to ask a show of hands and not just say this is a rhetorical question for you to think about, but say I really want to know. And I were to say to you, how many of you find that easy? How many of you find, think that this, yeah, thanks for preaching that, Lee, for the reminder. Got it done. Tick that box. No. That's the beauty of verses 26 through the rest that we looked at today, is that it reminds us that we are not doing this alone. That we are not those who have to walk separately, individually, in who we are. But in fact, we have been given each other. But more than that, we've been given the Holy Spirit to walk with us. It says, and I'll read verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I want you to catch this. Creation groans, we groan, and the Spirit groans. But the Spirit's groaning is not a groaning of laments. The Spirit's groaning is words that we do not understand. Conversations between the Trinity happening outside of our ability to grasp. The Spirit in groaning is bringing up our laments. <laughs> carrying them for us. 
those things that we can't even vocalize, the things that we can't even know, and bringing them to the Father. And the Father, who knows our weakness and understands that the Spirit can translate those things for us, gives them to God. He says, and he, this is talking about God, the Father, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to God's will. We walk in hope because the Holy Spirit leads us in that way. If you've ever been with a kid and you're getting ready to cross a street and not, not you know, a child that has grown, but a, a smaller child. What is it that you desire to do for them when you're getting ready to cross the street? You don't just let them run out, right? You remind them to look both ways. That was a change here, looking, which, which is the first way that I look, right? You remind them to look both ways, but normally you reach down and you grab their hand and you walk with them. Uh, my kids today still reach up and grab my hand when we cross the street. If I get hit by a car, it's really not going to hurt me, but you know, for them it might be bad. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes our hand, that leads us into this place, that gives us the ability to see to the future, to know what God is doing, and how he will make all things new as they always were supposed to be. And it's in that place that he grabs our hand, the Holy Spirit, and walks with us. Comforting us, encouraging us, and speaking for us on our behalf. Last week we talked about the Spirit talking to us. This week we see the Spirit talking to God on our behalf. How amazing that is. What a great hope that we have. Let me pray. Father, it is only in you that we can have this hope. It is only in you that it can make, be made complete. And so we rest in that place, knowing that you have shown us a path to step into the now and not yet. We ask if there is any word that came from my mouth that does not belong, that is not from you, that does not bring you glory and honor, that today that, that those words would pass away, that they would burn up, they would be no more. But if there is anything that I have spoken today that, that is from you, that it will bring glory to your name and it will be deep into the, the bottoms of our hearts and it will bear fruits to bring you praise and move us to do the work you have called us to. We long for everything to be made new. Again, we long for the time where tears will no longer be. We long for the time where you're not just catching them in jars but you have wiped them away completely. And as we wait expecting that, thank you for Holy Spirit who comforts us and brings us hope. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.